Gittleman here with another episode of the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And today we're going to talk about how to overcome the most common health challenges, especially facing African Americans. I'm holding in my hands a wonderful new book called Black Health Matters, the vital facts you must know to protect your health and that of your loved ones. It's by Richard Walker, Jr., MD, who has had 50 years of health experience and professionalism with quite an illustrious background. Hello again, Dr. Walker, and how are you this fine day? I'm well, and good morning to you. Good morning to you. So I don't believe we're created equal biochemically. Men and women are different. Different ethnic groups have different nutritional needs. Tell me about the specific needs of the Black Americans. Oh, gee, wow. That's a a 24-hour conversation. But but you're more than able to answer. You've been in the business for about 50 years, I've read. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's huge. Um, the, uh, you know, getting right down to the heart of the matter is that we need a um, healthcare community that is um, appreciative of the differences, just as you've mentioned, uh, appreciative of the differences for African-Americans. Uh, it, you, you can't look at humanity as a monolithic uh, a bunch of people and then attempt to apply uh, a formula that is supposed to be uh, equal for everyone. That's just not how it works. For African-Americans, the single most important thing is to identify the uniqueness of this particular group and uh, the other socioeconomic uh, factors that um, are important in what has happened to us since we arrived uh, to the shores of the Americas. And that is what has happened to us since the time of slavery. Things have gotten much better. There's no question about it. However, we haven't gone far enough. There are too many gaps uh, in the care of those who are underserved uh, or live in underserved communities. So what is what is the black, what is the community most susceptible to? I mean, I remember reading years ago about sickle cell anemia. Is that still a concern? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, sickle cell anemia, uh, however, is a genetic disease uh, and they have made great strides in treating this disease. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a new um, a methodology of treating sicklers with um, advanced technology in uh, DNA uh, therapy. But if you look at the rest of the diseases that affect African-Americans, which is the reason, reason why I wrote my book, African-American Healthy, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Black Health Matters, Uh, you'll find that the chronic diseases that affect all populations and all people are predominant in the African-American community. And what that means is, is that there hasn't been enough attention focused on those things that can mitigate 
the reasons why we are the sickest popula population in the country. And that goes for uh, diabetes, type two diabetes, uh, hypertension, renal failure, um, uh, heart disease, you name all the chronic diseases. And we excel in the numbers in terms of the morbidity and the mortality of those diseases. Why is that, Dr. Walker? One of the, one of the, the greatest reasons is that uh, the failure of, um, uh, of the medical community to appreciate what those differences are and then uh, have programs that address it. The second reason is the um, unawareness of the African-American community about what we can do for ourselves. Uh, and uh, what I wrote in my book was uh, about bringing the attention to the African-American community about not waiting for the healthcare community to do things that we expect them to do. That period of time for waiting to have them do more uh, is really over. We have to begin to address those concerns because we have the knowledge, we have the wherewithal, or, or we need to have the wherewithal, and we have the technology that allows better communication to get the message out. And in that regard, one of the most important things about what African-Americans can do for themselves is one, educate themselves, and two, begin to uh, take those steps for preventive actions, present preventive activities in order to mitigate those diseases. The biggest single problem in the uh, African-American com uh, community is about nutrition. And what that means is that with the poor nutrition that we have, which really stems from the days of slavery, where we continue to eat a lot of the same foods, mm -hmm. uh, those foods uh, are, we now know they are not healthy. Uh, they have too much salt, too much sugar, too much this, too much that. And they are not uh, the nutritious foods that are free of toxins. Now, back in the day when we were forced to um, have, uh, have meals that contained all the things that we now know are toxic, well, those, uh, during those times, that was life-sustaining. That kept us alive. And we continue to eat that way. Today, uh, not working in the fields, uh, not doing a, a, a lot of the major stressful things that actually killed us, uh, but also necessitated us to eat whatever there was. Today, the world is different. Our lives are different. And therefore, we can't eat the same way and expect to have uh, the results of a good, healthy life. We have to change and we have to take and hold the responsibility for ourselves in order to change the outcomes of what we eat, 
and what we allow to come into the community. So let's unpack that a little bit. You know, as a nutritionist, I talk about the importance of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So what would a good breakfast be? What do you eat for breakfast, doctor? Well, uh, what I try to do is I try to, to eat as uh, healthy as I possibly can. There's always uh, fruits and vegetables on my plate. Um, uh, that's, that's absolutely key. Uh, I have a minimum amount of uh, red meat. Uh, most of the meat that we eat is uh, healthy meat. Uh, it is a meat that doesn't have any uh, of the um, steroids or any of the antibiotics. Um, uh, or like if you talk about chicken in, um, in uh, chicken that is not natural or that is not um, uh, uh, grain fed, they feed the chickens arsenic in order to minimize the amount of parasites that the chickens get. Well, you've got to buy differently. And a lot of people will say, well, what if you can't afford it? Uh, my my you know, uh, advice is you can't afford not to. Well, what does that mean? Is that double talk? No, it's not double talk. Actually, what it means is you don't have to buy everything, but you can buy some things that are, are healthy and they may be more expensive, but tell me about what the cost is of your health. Mm. Is that worth it? Tell me about the cost is of a shortened lifespan. Is that worth it? Tell me about the cost of not being as productive as you could be. Is that worth it? The answer, of course, is yes. But it's a question of changing the mindset of people to realize that the benefit of spending a little bit more uh, is far outweighs the things that we are concerned about and that we complain about. We complain about um, having to go to the doctor and taking time off from work, which uh, in many cases, you can't take time off from work because you'll be penalized by your employer. So you don't go to the doctor. And if you don't go to the doctor, a lot of people's lives and their health gets worse. And then it gets to a point where it is a critical situation where they haven't been attentive to their own health. So they wind up going to the emergency room in a crisis and then they get admitted. And then this gets repeated. And these are the kind of things that we have to appreciate and stop doing and make the medical community, the healthcare community, a partner rather than leading us by the nose all the time and say, take this medication, take that medication and so on. You know, uh, Hippocrates says, let medicine be, uh, let food be thy medicine. Mm, so true. Do you think that pork has a place in the Afro-American diet? Oh, yes. Uh, it, yes, it does. And, and you know, uh, pork is, is, is very big, but uh, like everything else, it's all about uh, balance and moderation. So, you know, uh, if you want to eat something uh, that maybe I wouldn't recommend, you know, I, I'm I'm not so so much of a stalwart, uh, in which I tell people, well, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. 
the the answer is be balanced in what you do be balanced in your nutrition and if you want to deviate every now and then and you want to have some of that good old uh, um, uh, southern uh, soul food <laughs> yes. uh, that we call uh, okay that's okay but do it once a year and okay if, if you want to press me do it twice a year but that's it don't do it every single day and by the way you know, the fast food industry is making a ton of money off of being in underserved communities where they drop these fast food, uh, um, well, they're not even restaurants, these buildings with all this fast food there. And then of course, the marketing is such that it goes after the kids, telling the kids, this is what you should be eating. The quarter pounders, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, these big uh, hamburgers and this uh, chicken strips and stuff like that. That's not the way to be eating. We have to really uh, look at how we eat wholesomely and uh, prepare foods reasonably and put that food on the plate, buy it clean and um, begin to teach ourselves how to to eat well, because eating well is really the answer to mitigating all the chronic disease that we find in the black community. I couldn't agree with you more, but are there any particular vitamins or minerals that stand out in black health matters? The single uh, most important uh, vitamin that I tell African-Americans that they should uh, take on a daily basis is vitamin D3. And I'm making an emphasis on the three. Now there's vitamin D, there's vitamin D2, and there's mm -hmm. vitamin D3. Well, vitamin D, D um, in all forms is found in foods, but what you really want are, are uh, or is the vitamin D3, because the vitamin D3 uh, is what we call the bioactive vitamin. Well, what does that mean? That is the form of the vitamin that actually does the work in the body to cause the cell to do the things that we need to do to stay well. Now, vitamin D uh, and vitamin D2, those are good precursors, but they have to be converted. One of the problems with African-Americans, uh, when, uh, when I wrote my first book, uh, African-American Healthy, I wrote that because I read an article that uh, revealed uh, that 97% of all African-Americans were vitamin D3 deficient. Amazing. That was shocking. Shocking. And yeah, and uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the significance of vitamin D in every aspect of our life. Mm. Uh, the immune system, uh, it, it's important for the immune system. It helps uh, mitigate uh, various kinds of cancers, cancer, uh, colorectal cancer, cancer of the esophagus, uh, many uh, different cancers, prostate cancer. All of these cancers, uh, including breast cancer, are, are mitigated by taking vitamin D3 on a daily basis. 
And it's just really important. And by the way, uh, with the COVID crisis, one of the things that uh, was uh, recognized not early on, but about midway through the uh, pandemic is the significance of vitamin D3 in those people who had COVID and when they started giving them, uh, giving uh, vitamin D3 at high doses uh, when they were in the hospital on ventilators, 50% of them got off the ventilator within a week. Amazing. Those people who were taking vitamin D3, uh, the effect was that it reduced the likelihood of a person becoming sick. Uh, you may have gotten COVID, but you didn't get COVID to the point while, where you wound up hospitalized and in the ICU. So vitamin D3, even with a COVID pandemic, had a major effect on reducing uh, on, on uh, reducing the incidence of infection as well as reducing the infection once you had it. And before we continue, I want to thank you once again, my wonderful sponsors, UnikeyHealth.com, the home of all my formulations, including Bile Builder, Mag Key, and Super GI Cleanse, as well as CS-Health.com, the home of the only official activated sulforaphane products for internal and external body and beauty care. Thank you so much, my wonderful sponsors. So do you advise testing? Absolutely. Uh, when I first started doing this, I would have to write it down on a, uh, you know, these days they don't have prescription pads any, anymore, but uh, earlier on when they, we were still writing uh, prescription pads, I would write it out, uh, uh, the uh, type of test that I wanted people to get, which was uh, um, the, it was written out as uh, the 25 parentheses OHD3. Now, I wrote that because a lot of people would go to the uh, lab, get the blood test, or ask their doctor, uh, their primary care provider, to order the test and they ordered the wrong test. Uh, well, you know, that cost you money and it didn't give you any information. Uh, so that is the test. If you're looking to get tested, that's what you wanna ask for. 25 parentheses, OH, close parentheses, D3. That's how it's written in or, or on a, uh, in the laboratory regardless of which laboratory uh, you use, and they will order the right test. And what you're looking for is to have a vitamin D level greater than 30. I won't go into the units because it's not necessary, uh, but greater than 30. If you have a vitamin D level that's less than 30, you are at risk. You're at risk for a lot of things. You're at, at risk for all the cancers that I mentioned. You're at risk for um, uh, greater infection, uh, more viral infections. Your immune, immune system will not be as robust to be able to protect you and so on. Now, if you can get your vitamin D3 level to 50 or more, that is outstanding. What I usually advise people to do on a daily dose is um, if you're Caucasian and you don't have any diseases, 
2,000 IUs per day would be fine. For most African-Americans, I advise that they take 5,000 IUs per day. Now, mm. what patients would do is they would go back to their primary care doc uh, and their primary care doc would say, well, that's just, that's, that's way too much. That's, that's beyond the standard. Well, what uh, most docs don't understand and certainly a lot of patients uh, don't understand, your body in the sunlight at the height of the day at about uh, 11 o'clock uh, on a sunny day, if you were to stand in that sunlight for one hour and you are Caucasian, your body will produce 50,000 units of vitamin D3 in about an hour's time in one day. Mm. If you take an African-American, it would take four hours to accomplish the same thing, but you would get the same level. In four hours, you would get about 50,000 units of vitamin D3 being produced naturally by your body. So I asked the docs, I would say, given that information, why do you think that 5,000 a day, if you were taking 5,000 a day, is too much? It isn't. It is the dose that you uh, really need, especially if you have chronic diseases. And uh, with those chronic diseases, we know that with vitamin D3, um, the, uh, it will improve or help improve the, uh, your uh, hypertension, your diabetes. Uh, it will help uh, improve the effects of the insulin on the cell. And I can go on and on, but it is the one vitamin that I recommend to just about everybody because of its major effect in the body. You know, listening to your passion about vitamin D, I can't help but wonder, would you characterize yourself as an integrative medical doctor, one that embraces alternative modalities? Oh, yes. I, as a matter of fact, what I did is uh, I left traditional medicine because I began to realize, and it was, actually it was, it was thanks to one patient who happened to be a friend of my wife's, and she kept bringing me all this alternative medicine. She was a patient of mine, and she would bring me all this alternative medicine information. I would say, get out of here. I don't believe in all that sort of stuff. <laughs> anyway, one day she threatened me. She says, well, you know, I'll just tell your wife that I left all this stuff with you. You know, she set me up, you know? <laughs> And uh, I said, okay, give me this stuff. And so I read it because I didn't want to hear my wife, you know, say, well, why didn't you read all this stuff? You know, she's really trying to help you. So anyway, I read it so I wouldn't get the negative feedback from my wife. And to my surprise, a lot of the information that I read was, um, uh, was well-researched, double-blind studies, and it was just fantastic. And one thing led to another. I ultimately left traditional medicine. I did OB-GYN for 20 years. I transitioned from OB-GYN into functional and environmental medicine for the next 15 years. And so functional medicine is exactly what you just said. It looks at all the alternatives of healthcare, but what it really does is it, it looks at 
the uh, a person holistically. Uh, and what you don't do is you don't look at a person uh, according to a disease. You look at a person according to what happened to get you to the point where you are ill. And so that means that you've got to do, uh, you've got to be like uh, Detective Clouseau. And you said that you got to start looking for the root cause of right disease. Yes. Got to get down deep. Uh, I even uh, would go back to the point where uh, I would ask, okay, well, when your mother, when you were in utero, uh, what was uh, going on with your mother? What was the lifestyle? What were the circumstances of your mother while she was pregnant with you? And sometimes that's what you have to do to try to uncover where did things go wrong? Because usually it's not an immediacy of what wrong. It's a, the chronicity the, over a period of time, how you got from what your genes are designed to do to what they wind up doing based upon the environment that you put your genes in. Yes. And that goes back to what I was saying about African-Americans. Out of necessity, we had to put ourselves in the circumstance of eating whatever there was available that became what we call soul food and but we didn't move away from it once we began to change the lifestyle our lifestyles and we uh we moved away uh we were freed uh, as slaves then we moved to the uh you know to the city the big city and actually what a lot of people don't realize is that when africans uh, americans with the diaspora moved from the south and the and the jim crow uh uh areas and they moved to the city things got worse we thought they were going to get better but they actually got worse huh. why because of the mental health issues. You left family, you left the community that even though it was hostile, you were still familiar with it. You couldn't get a job. You had to find new housing. You didn't know what kind of foods. You took up smoking and drinking. So the overall health of African-Americans when we moved, uh, when we had the great migration, it got worse. Uh, it's kind of interesting. One of the things that uh, in my book that I mentioned that in 1870s, the 1880s and the 1890s, the New York Equitable and Life Insurance Company actuarials predicted that by the year 2000, African-Americans would be extinct. Huh. And the reason why they said that was the absolute degradation and deplorable conditions that we had to endure during those times that it was so severe they didn't think that as a group of people that we would survive but surprise we're still here <laughs> are you still working dr walker i'm working but i no longer uh practice clinically um i am building a uh healthcare company that um, uh, is uh, targets, uh, the targeted demographic are seniors with chronic diseases. Um, those individuals 
with chronic diseases and sick veterans. And the reason why we target those populations is because that's another underserved community that has less resources and less time to do what has to be done. And what we do is we bring the care uh, to the, uh, this population, the seniors uh, and the, uh, the uh, chronically ill, we bring it to their home or their residence. That's not unique. But what is unique about what we do in our, our business is that we bring all other modalities with, uh, with the primary care providers that goes to their home or their residence. That means that we also provide the remote mental health, uh, uh, remote patient monitoring, chronic care management, telemedicine, telehealth, everything that we can do and bring it into the home, we do. And that is the idea of asking seniors with chronic diseases to come to the doctor's office, to me is repulsive. I mean, it's like, how dare you ask these people who have served their country, served the population, served their family, and now they're sick, they're seniors, and now you still want them to come to the office on your terms. We eliminate that. Our goal is to eliminate uh, the necessity of, of having to go to a brick and mortar office. We also, re, uh, uh, our purpose, purposely designed to reduce hospitalizations and uh, visits to the ED. So our entire goal is what's called uh, these days value-based uh, programs where our entire existence is to keep you out of the hospital and to keep you well. I love that. And what is the name of your healthcare company? Our company is called TVP Care. TVP-care.com is our website. You're located in? We're located in Houston uh, and uh, we are a startup company. And uh, our goal is to be the leader in the country in what we do, uh, bringing a new dynamic of healthcare. And our goal is to be coast to coast. I love it. And where can people get your book, Black Health Matters? Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, you can also uh, call the publisher, Square One Publisher. So either way, you can get the book uh, very easily. And, by the way, and it's good for everybody, Dr. Walker. Absolutely, yes. We go into the uh, chronic diseases and what you can do on your own by getting the kind of knowledge that's in the book in order to begin to reduce your exposure um, to all the things that are causing you to have these diseases. I love it. So thank you for being my guest. Will you come back again? Absolutely. And thank you for inviting me. It was my pleasure. My pleasure. So I want to thank you, my listeners, for listening yet once again to First Lady of Nutrition. Visit me at annelouise.com. Have a wonderful, healthy, productive week. Shalom, shalom. Please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.